1: Oh, Yes Guy, episode 88, welcome aboard, Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you very shortly, the guest list goes like this, Donovan Bailey, Marshall Ferguson, Kevin Itard, and Yes Guy, No Guy, Perry, how are you this week, sir?
2: Great, Jim, how are you doing?
1: Very good, I'm excited, this is a great guest list and you did most of the work on it, so uh, we'll get ahead with that very shortly, looking for an experienced real estate agent, Charles Park Managing Broker, REMAX West Realty Brokerage, has 27 award winning years of real estate experience, so... Looking for the highest level of knowledge, experience, and service? Put Charles Park in your corner. Visit charlespark.ca or call him or text him at 647-292-8886. Servicing from Hamilton to Kingston, from Toronto to Muskoka, Charles Park will not be at work by anyone. And check out Fox 40's new premium whistle, the Fox 40 Titan, in a sleek titanium body. The Titan emulates the authentic sound of the Fox 40 Classic, available now in titanium gold or matte black. Go to fox40shop.com for that. Guest number one, uh, recently appointed an officer of the Order of Canada and has all those gold medals, two of them from the Olympics. Let's bring in, formerly known as the fastest man, and maybe he still is, Donovan Bailey. Donovan, how are you today, sir?
3: I am good. Good. Good morning. Good morning. Um, you know, good to talk to you. This is uh, this is very it's, nice.
1: It it is. And so, how how has your speed dissipated over the years? Uh,
3: well, I think my speed dissipated just as much as probably yours have. I mean, however fast you were. <laughs> 20 years ago uh, I don't believe you're the same speed no but my you know what I try to stay in decent in decent shape uh, but certainly I have I have not been on the track training so you know um, my
2: speed is probably good enough for the golf course right now <laughs> <laughs> well Donovan right off the top Oxford of, of Canada Steve Simmons said this was long overdue what were your thoughts about it when you were told
3: you know, I, I agree with Steve a little bit. Um, you know what? Hey, listen, I, I mean, I'm humbled and honored that, that um, they've finally gotten around to it. Uh, I don't know what the process is. I don't know, you know, um, why it took so long, but, um, but I am humbled and, and thankful. I mean, the only thing that, that, um, that would have been awesome is that if uh, my parents uh, were alive to see this because I know that they would probably be the most proud. Uh,
1: Donovan, tell us about the Bailey Foundation. What does this mean to you? What does it do? well the bailey foundation
3: is, is you know what uh, i wanted to gather um in one place uh the things that actually is a part of my philanthropy and uh you know from i was very young you know i was a mentor um i was mentored by my four brothers um you know and, and and uh and and that's something that i feel that every single young person needs i think that every single young person in canada uh be mentored and and essentially uh, my foundation, the, the, the affiliated foundation that that I also chair, is called Pass the Baton. And Pass the Baton to me means that um, you know we we're an extremely successful first world country, and and um, you know in order for us to prepare our future leaders, uh, every single person in this country, regardless of what you do, um, in, in, in for a job, regardless, uh, you need to pass that information down to uh, to um, to someone younger. Uh, you know, secondly. Um, Alzheimer's and cancer both have affected uh, my parents. That's how they both passed. And, uh, you know, so I've dedicated my life through the Bailey Foundation uh, to raising money to help research for both of those. Uh, you know, so, again, you know, I try to occupy my time by doing things that I think that are productive and fruitful.
1: Uh, you mentioned your brother. So tell us about your, your family unit and, and, and what kind of uh, mentoring they did and, and, and maybe, uh, you know, just sort of the, the environment that you grew up in. Listen, I'm I'm number
3: four of five boys. What do you mean? They did everything. They, they did, I mean, you know, whether whether I whether I wanted it or not. I mean, you know. I, they, they, yes, I mean, I think that anybody with um, with older siblings will know exactly what sort of mentoring whatever it is. Um, however, you're teasing someone, you're challenging someone, but it, but all in all, I mean, it, what they're doing is um uh, eventually showing you what uh, the adversity of what. Our real life might look like as an adult and uh, you know and, and um, that, those are some of the things that allowed me to be extremely successful in sports and in business and in life
1: okay you brought that up so i'm the last of five i have three sisters there and a go. brother and i know what you mean like you step into a template but at some point because you're growing up you know the template goes away or it goes off to the side and you have to learn how to manage yourself and how to lead i mean you had to develop into an individual star here so how did you do that but
3: I'm saying, well, okay, first of all, you get exactly what I'm saying. You're going to be tested. Absolutely. A, but, but at some point, you have to step out of that. You know, you have to step yes. out of that. I mean, because the people that are, you, you, it, it's your siblings. So the, so the people that love you the most, at least, you know, it, it looks that way after being an adult. Uh, but the kids, that, the people that love you the most, uh, they're going to challenge you. So your responsibility is to, you know, learn uh, on your own, do things on your own. Um, you know, carve out your niche your own friends, whatever sport you like, you go to that. If it's music, go to that. If it's radio and television, you go to that. But, but go, go back to the things that you are personally passionate about. And, and, or you could even look at some of your siblings that probably, you know, didn't think they weren't as good, maybe, as, as, as who you were, and then, and then kind of challenge yourself to be better than them. Uh, but at some point, every single adult have to step out and, and essentially take responsibility for, who they are and what they are
2: and, and what they want to become uh, in order for you to be a, an extremely productive member of society. Donovan, you say Bolt has the record, the 100 meters, uh, 9.58. How fast can an actual person go? Can this record be broken?
1: You
3: know yeah. what? Uh, I didn't think that I'd ever see it in my lifetime, but what we're, what we're seeing right now is um, we're seeing like we see the track technology is is way different. The tracks are a lot faster. We're seeing these super shoots. So these, essentially, these running spikes that these kids are using now, they're actually super shoots. They're, you know, they're carbon fiber and, you know, they've got cushion and a spring, you know, so I I don't know. I mean, I I never thought I'd see 958. I've never thought I'd see that in my lifetime. But now we see some of these kids uh, they 're running tremendous times. I just think that Bolt's an anomaly he's just one of those men that you know he came he broke uh, he broke my olympic record nine eighty four was the Olympic record when he broke it uh, broke the world record also um, that I had you know so yeah bolt um yeah i don't i don 't see the nine five eight being broken, but hey um you know I, I was still waiting for the women 's record to be broken, and Shelly and Fraser and Elaine Thompson seem to be attacking that book every single day, but they 're still far away
1: from it. You know, only a few people are going to know what this is like. So so when you're competing, you're, you're really going against the stopwatch, uh, you're going against yourself, and, and, of course, the field. When you're trying to, you know, better yourself, and, and that involves a world record, What is what does that feel like?
3: Sometimes when I, when I, when I speak, I uh, do appearances, and, and I get asked this question. Like, uh, I think most athletes, you know, kind of have, are, are mostly OCD. Uh, because because every day, essentially, is like, like Groundhog day you are uh, every single day you're getting up and you try to be better than you were yesterday. And, and you're, and, and because we're measuring by a clock uh, you're really trying to take off, you know, one, one thousandth thousandths of one second, uh, you know, and you're also in a competition where you are, you're running a race and you only have the exact same amount of time to make a mistake, correct it and continue. It's all about one, one thousandth of a second. So you're trying to perfect something. And uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's real tough. But I think that um, when you get up every day and you practice and you put the work in, uh, then certainly you know that at some point you're gonna get to the podium.
1: Yeah, we're we're talking about the slimmest of margins here. So when it does happen, on the on that one time where it happens, that must feel like an out of body experience, does it?
3: Well, you know what? It um, yeah, maybe, maybe. I think that I mean, ultimately, what happens to a lot of people. Uh, well, I know that when it happened for me, I didn't. I wasn't going. I didn't. I wasn't going for the world record. I didn't like at the Olympic Games. I didn't. It, it wasn't for me. It was just a win. And so what happens is that you go back to the race and you look at how you executed. Did you have a good start? Did you have a good drive phase? You know, did you have a good deceleration phase? Did you, you know, were your arms pumping? You know, were you breathing properly? Was your diaphragm high enough that you could cycle your legs through? So. When I watch the 100 meters right now, although it was the fastest time in the world or the fastest time in history, you know, until Usain Bolt broke it, uh, I still see a ton of mistakes. And I still see, you know, my God, if I improved that and if I'd done this, it would have been 9-6, you know, that sort of thing. So I think that most athletes, uh, you know, usually when they break a record, they always go back and look at where exactly they
2: could improve and make it better. Donovan, we had Jason Portwondo on last week. You do a podcast with him, Donovan Bailey, Running Things. Tell us about the podcast and how it is more than just a sports sports podcast.
3: Well, first of all, Jason is my boy, man. Jason's good people. Uh, yeah, we. so my podcast is Donovan Bailey, Running Things. Uh, you know, I just – I think that um, most times I do things people just ask me about track and field or maybe just sports. And, uh, you know, I thought that um, – I needed to, I need, we need to do something, or I need to do something, um, that, that kind of showed the evolution of everything else. I mean, showed the evolution, you know, of being a man, you know, a political stance, um, you know, looking at, you know, cultural lifestyle, you know, so it's not just about sports. So, I mean, you know, addressing, you know, racial inequalities, um, you know, addressing, you know, you know, gender inequalities. You know, I just thought that, um, a podcast for me is always necessary to kind of give a voice. I mean, we don't it's not a daily show. Uh you know, so, you know, definitely weekly show. We'll be back on the end of September for season 3. And uh you know, I just started it with was, it was it's just really cool to have a platform use it for good uh and um you know, and and, and share my voice and hopefully share some reasonings and uh, and opinions um
2: you know, that uh you know, to my to my fans that are out there. Briefly, tell us a little bit about the book. When is it coming out? Uh, yes, I signed a, I signed a deal
3: with uh, Penguin Random House. Uh, the book should be out in uh, spring of twenty twenty three. I've been writing. I've been actually writing this book for a couple of years, so this is just the newest, best version of it. Um, it's it's the true story of me, so it's the real dawn of an experience. Uh, you know, hopefully, this will be turned into a movie. But but it, it, it will. You know, we'll talk about my. You know, growing up in Jamaica, uh, you know, being born in Jamaica, growing up in Oakville, like the extent of my friends and family education, uh, you know, and and what I'm doing today, you know, so and and probably some opinions and hopefully some uh, motivational quotes, uh, you know, for kids who who are, uh, you know, aspiring to do amazing things that have set no limits for themselves, uh, hopefully can help them, you know, push them along the way to get to that place where
2: they can... They can do their thing. You just mentioned that, you know, in your thoughts, potentially the book could be made into a movie. Did at any point in your life, do you ever step back and go, I can't believe all this is happening to me? And, you know, and even think that something like a book or a movie would would even be in the future.
3: You know, it's funny. I've actually never, I never have. I mean, I, 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 one of, one of the things I've done is, you know, I, I, I hate being not busy. And so you know yeah i certainly can reflect on particular parts of my life or uh or parts of my life especially if i'm talking to someone about it and they remind me uh you know but i just think that whatever it is i've done so far there's so much more to do and uh, and so um you know uh, you know if there's going to be a book about it or a movie about it i'm like so be it I'm, I'm hoping that i stop and slow down smell the roses uh so something really good can be done uh but you know i just think that um I am someone, as long as the sun is shining and, and uh, you know, I have the energy and the ability, uh, you know, I'm going to continue to motivate, uh, you know, I'm going to continue to teach. I'm going t- to continue to speak about my experiences. I will share my wisdom to everyone that's listening. Uh, yeah, so, you know, for me, uh, as a constant student, I will be, you know, I will continue to do what I'm doing. So, um, you know, having a book or many books or movie or many movies, or getting out there and motivating people and, you know, and, and, and living that way and and, and living my authentic self is something I'll continue doing.
1: Donovan on on the way out. Last question. Uh, What was, how difficult was it for you to stop competing? You know what? That's probably,
3: I mean, yeah, competition was what drove me. I mean, I I hated practice. Um, I hated practice. I mean, I knew you had to do it, Uh, but, but competition on the track, it's very difficult to get away from, um, you know, like being addicted to something. Like I mean, and competition was some. That was definitely my advice, uh, and it was tough. But but part of the part of the part of the problem with that is that with me, you know, I had a ruptured Achilles. So when your body's telling you that you're finished, then you're definitely finished. I mean, and, and sometimes, and and I got to walk away. Um, I got I still got to walk. I was a top sprint in Canada, although you know, out of ruptured Achilles, but know, I walked away, I'm healthy today, I mean, you know, I had the opportunity speaking of that, I had to um, I went and saw Serena play and uh, yeah, I mean, I just, I, I kind of like what she's doing, she's um, she's not waiting for her body to shut down for, for for her to mentally decide that it's time to walk away uh, she is walking away at the top of her games, but walking away at the, at physically at the top of her game I know that she'll probably come back and play many more games, I'm sure she. You'll be playing some very high-priced exhibition games, but I, but I like when you have an athlete, the greatest of all time, uh, that can walk away. In, in Serena Williams' case, on her own terms. I mean, and I, I didn't do that, and you know, I, I like it, it. dictated for me, but the pounding that you take in track and field is is a little different than in in most sports. I mean, although it looks very simple, uh, it looks very simple to do. Um, the pounding that you're taking on your joints, your neck, your back um, is, is incredible. So, you know, I got to be healthy, walk away. And I also walked away, you know, being the fastest man, being the fastest man alive, you know, being the only man in Canada to, you know, to ever do a c- bunch of things, you know. So, being, you know, inducted in the Hall of Fame twice, uh, still having the Canadian record today, still having the 50-meter world record today, you know. So, again, you know, uh, you know I'm happy where I'm at and, you know, and you know, I got a bunch of teammates. You know that you know helped along get a couple of gold medals that they couldn't get individually. Also, so you know, again, it was uh, it was it was a good one for me. Ten years, ten years dedicated to uh, Canada and to our national team, and and uh, we were the most successful track and field, or the most successful team actually in history. But track the track and field was at its heyday, and I'm hoping that with Andre and the rest of the fellas now,
1: we've got the next generation of dominating sprinters donovan thanks very much for your time we really appreciate it and enjoyed this and congratulations on the order of canada thank you very much
3: all right take care and have a good day you too thank you
1: if you are an experienced real estate agent looking for comprehensive value and a distinct advantage contact Charles Park managing broker Remax West Realty Brokerage offering state-of-the-art technologies with exclusive coaching and mentoring for a confidential interview call 647 292-8886 or email charles at remaxwest.com master your game strategy with Fox 40 coaching boards available for basketball hockey football and more use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order go to fox40shop.com this is yes Guy the Radio Show on TSN 1050. Welcome back. This yes, guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Jim Taddy and Perry Lufko with you. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor Herb Braley, ready to help you with your financial needs. So if you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1 877 734 3055 or visit his website braleyadvisors.com with 31 years of experience herb will help you do what you want to do with your money get it back to you when you need it the most financial clarity and comfort with braley financial advisors incorporated master your game strategy with the fox 40 coaching boards available for basketball hockey football and more use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15 percent off your order go to fox40shop.com and now we go to the cfl and tsn play-by-play booth marshall ferguson is at the controls marshall how are you today sir
4: I'm good. Uh, I'm doing currently what we call the Taddy, which is wandering the streets of Hamilton, Ontario, on a cell phone, talking to people about sports. That's in, if you look that up, doing the Taddy, that, that's what it's actually defined as.
1: <laughs> well, let me ask you this. I mean, you did uh, at 1150, you did the, the radio play-by-play for the Cats, and now you do TV. So what is the difference between radio play-by-play and TV play-by-play?
4: Uh, It's a great question. It's something I'm still learning and evolving into. I think uh, if anybody is familiar with the, the power structure that is at TSN on the television side, Paul Graham has been an amazing mentor to me as somebody who I think recognized that I had potential, but potential just means obviously you haven't done anything yet. And he was willing to give me an opportunity to see, okay, well, what can that potential become? And then he's really worked with me alongside other people, like even going back to Chris Cuthbert in the time that he was still with TSN. He was a real kind of helping hand and allowing me to kind of voice questions to him. Of, how do you deal with an injury when you're going to time out and how do you properly paint it and how do you give enough detail without over-talking and all of these kind of things that go into it. In all honesty, for me, there was a real joy. And I think you would, you would understand and connect with this in doing radio. And the reason for radio play by play, giving that joy is that you got to say, Everything like on TSN 1050 there for the Argos games. I love listening to Mike Hogan because I love the art of the way that he presents Toronto Argonauts football. As he's saying, Andrew Harris will split out as a wide receiver to the left hand side. They'll break the huddle here as it'll be second down and seventh from the 35 yard line. 4:28 remaining in the second quarter, and Harris will cut a, a quick slant route, catch it over the middle, and knife for seven yards and a nice pick off. It's like whoa. There's like that's an amazing skill to have to jam all of that in and, and the responsibility of giving that I found to be really, really enjoyable. It's a different challenge. I wouldn't say one is better than the other or worse than the other, but there is something that I really enjoy now about really working in the small spaces of television that it allows you, knifing in, giving a quick little tidbit or a statistic, and then just saying second and five. And getting out of the way and just waiting because the drama of just letting the down and distance hang, as all of the other details that you would give on radio don't need to be described. I find that to be fun because if you deliver it properly and, and work in those small windows, you can really, I think, add to the viewing experience, hopefully, for the CFL and TSM fans.
2: Okay, Marsh, years ago I was moonlighting as a color analyst with Jim Tadian covering Tycats Cats games. Oh, sorry, you to were sitting guy. back watching it. Did you actually think, like, this guy knows what he's talking about, or what a fraud?
4: Uh, no, no, like, when we were doing, uh, you know, any kind of tie analysis, I love being around and working with Jimmer because he learned extremely quickly, as is his, uh, his great skill set in media and broadcasting, how to team me up to look a lot smarter than I was. Like, I even remember a conversation Jim that we had when uh, there was the, the live microphone games that were happening and I was doing the morning show, I believe, and you were in the afternoons and, and you had me on, you said, okay, like, what is this? Like, why should I care about this or is this too much information or how do I do? And you and I talked for 20 minutes about the, the concept of the live microphone being strapped onto a quarterback, how people should appreciate it. What was the value, uh, you know, what the evolution of it could be, how teams will protect themselves from it. And, and I just remember leaving that conversation and being like, man, Jim gets it. Like He understands that there's this isn't like, hey, let's put a microphone on a player and boom, television. It was like, there's a lot to this. So, no, Perry, I would say uh, he's, Jimmer's been around. He's seen, uh, he's seen a thing or two, and he's certainly been able to, to dance his way through the CFL life cycle with great grace. No, well, but you it, missed you the know, point.
2: It, I said, did you think I was capable or I was moonlighting and I wasn't really good at what I was doing?
4: Uh, you probably moonlighting. Probably moonlighting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, come on, man!
1: a shot at me. Well, you set yourself up. Come on, what you? Expect yeah, but he do? he can actually lie. He doesn't have to be honest. He, 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 you know, you said step on my throat, and he did. So, what you? Why are you critical of him? <laughs> <laughs> but that, you know, like, let's go back to that yeah, that mic'd up stuff. I mean, you know, I don't need a guy reading a schematic, but but I I need to be brought down to the field to understand. I'm going to call it the currency of what everybody's living with down there. And I, I don't know that that we get that. What do you think?
4: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, for me, I've watched so much of the CSL. Like, I'll, I'll watch most games live, not all of them, because, you know, once in a while you need a mental health break where you're just going to go, like, watch the sunset over a lake or something like that. But then I will watch it back afterwards, and I track every throw of every game and uh, this year I'm doing what personnel grouping is in and what formation they're using for every snap of it. And then who's the target and where was the throw gone to and all these kind of things. And so for me, the thing I find really interesting is that my eye beyond just being a former player at the university level, my eye has been trained to, you know, they break the huddle and Manny Arsenault of the Edmonton Elks is like strapping his gloves on really tight. I'm like, Oh, he thinks this ball is intended for him. Right? Like, And it's funny with the live mic stuff when you're brought down to field level because you'll catch those little interactions that just kind of confirm what you are thinking when they're breaking the huddle or what you think the tendency is or what's coming. So, you know, you'll catch uh, you know Taylor Cornelius or Nick Arbuckle when he was there with Edmonton at the start of the year just turning to Manny as he leaves the huddle really quick and being like, hey, Manny, just get, get out of it quick and it's like, in football language, telling your receiver something quick like that as he leaves the huddle is, hey, you're my primary. Like, I, I want to go to you here. So it does give that that kind of human connection point, I think, that, yeah, you can hear, you know, Rebel, right, Bomber 64, Iroquois, Cross, uh, Z-Post, and it means absolutely nothing to the average person, but they break the huddle, and you catch these little snippets of interaction, and I think that's that's really what the, the advantage of uh, even the, the CFL uh, live mic kind of program that they do on Wednesday evenings, like letting people inside the huddle to see the personalities and the interaction, I think there's a real value to that because it does increase the enjoyment of the sport, no doubt. Okay, Marsha, I'm
2: not going to sulk, though I should be, because your commentary about me was very candid. My mother's <laughs> really going to be hurt, but I'll get over it, and I'm going to ask you a serious question. Mm-hmm. Nathan Rourke, is he the real deal, or do we need to see more games out of him to try and get a a true understanding of whether he's that good or some of the teams he's played are
4: really that bad. You know, it's funny, Perry. I just finished watching back uh, the fourth of four games from week nine, and like about five minutes before I I hop on through here with you guys, and I, I was looking at Nathan. And thinking to myself, like, how do I analyze this guy who has these ridiculous stat lines and completes 90% of his passes and throws for 386 yards in the first half against a bad Edmonton defense? And, and I was like, you know what it is for me? And, and I'm, I'm somebody who really believes in this, which is why I think that, that Ottawa would be wise to hold on to Paul Appelese is that I believe in process over results in just about everything in life. Like, I, I don't think that we can look at the result of something and say, you know, well, uh, that sandwich didn't taste good, therefore I'm a terrible chef. It's like, well, no, I, I did my best with it under the circumstances and I did everything that was right in the recipe. And, well, if I did it right by the recipe, maybe the recipe is just not great. Okay, let's find a new recipe. So I, I look at Nathan work and the process that he puts in, like his footwork, his timing, his arm strength, his accuracy, his ability to process defenses, all of that stuff is for real. So when you add all of that stuff up together – Yeah, he's for real. He's absolutely for real. The thing I find interesting about him, too, is, and we don't do this to American quarterbacks, but we seem to have done it to Nathan, which I really think paints a broader picture of the way we discuss Canadians in the CFL, is that he's great in Week 1 against Edmonton. And then we all say, yeah, eh, but Edmonton might not be that great on defense. Turns out they're not. Okay. Then he has a bye week. He comes back in Week Number 3, plays against the Toronto Argonauts. He does it against the Argos, and people are like, well, I'm not really sure about the Argos. Then and he goes in plays against Ottawa's defense and he has a bit of an off day but he ends up battling through it finding answers and leading them to a victory on the road as they go to three and zero. and it's like we move the goalposts on this kid a lot and I find that to be interesting because when Bo Levi Mitchell's early in his career I don't think there's a whole lot of times where we're saying oh he was nice that week but man I got my doubts going into next week and even now the conversation has been pushed so far because he's been so good to the point where we're saying, is he the most outstanding player in the entire Canadian football league to this point? And everybody who would have said yes in weeks one through eight hits week nine, he blows up Edmonton. They're like, he's just making a bunch of statistics off of a bad couple of teams in the West division. And, it's like, no, man, appreciate him for what he is. He's doing it the right way. He's reinvigorating a fan base. They've sold out of his damn jersey like three times at the BC Lions Pro Shop because people can't get enough of number 12 on their back. So I love it. I love the whole story. I think it's really it's a magical moment for the CFL to have a Canadian quarterback like this. And the crazy thing is his younger brother, Curtis, is a quarterback right now at Ohio, the exact same place that Nathan played his university football. His brother is like a little bit taller and is basically as good at this point. I'm not saying he's going to be the same player, but this past year in the CFL draft, we had the Ford brothers, Tyrell and and Trey. We had uh, Tyson and Jalen Philpott, the receivers from the University of Calgary. Can you guys imagine if we had brother Canadian quarterbacks going head to head on like Friday night football as Edmonton took on BC or something like that? It would just be out of this world.
1: You know, Marsha, you 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 tugged at my heartstrings here cuz you said you're a process guy and people at my age vintage are all process. Um but this is a numbers world. How do you think that's going to work out for you?
4: Uh you know, in terms of like Nathan Rourke in the I mean, yeah, well, everything. I mean, <laughs> everything Yeah, numbers. oh yeah, in the big picture. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, people at uh you know, if you don't make your your bank payment for your mortgage, then yeah, you might be in trouble. They're not going to say, "Wow, we really appreciate your process." Uh but I, for me, I, I like the idea of, of giving people the ability to prove that over time they can evolve and, and, and get better. And I, for me, I see that in a lot of different aspects of the Canadian Football League and the players that are in right now is like, yeah, I mentioned Nathan Rourke because he's the clearest example, but like Zach Laros and, and his offense, even for the Bombers, they're tearing people up and it's, but there's been moments where they really haven't been good on the statistical output but their process is so good that when they get into the crunch time moments in CFL games which are stereotypically second and long or in the fourth quarter they're the best and that's how they close out games is, is they just find a way to win and it's not because well they got lucky for another game in the fourth quarter no it's because they have trained themselves over time so that their process is so good in the fourth quarter that they go in and they're trailing or they're tied or they're ahead by two touchdowns. It doesn't matter the situation. And they just look around and they're like, oh, no, no, we, we already know how to handle this situation because we're back-to-back defending great cup champions. So, yeah, I, I do love the the process, and I think it's the fairest way to judge, not just football players, but people at large. I think it's the best way to look at that kind of life. So, yeah, I, uh, I I think that's probably why you and I got along so well and still
0: do, Jim.
2: Marshall, I'm going to ask you a very quick question. Sometimes I'm watching you guys on TV and and you guys are doing your job and it's sweltering, you're wearing a suit and tie. Do you guys <laughs> have to drink, like, gallons and gallons of water to just get ready for it? That's a
4: that's a great question, Barry, because uh, on our CFL and DSN conference call this week, somebody brought that up, and it was not one of the play-by-player color guys. It was one of the production staff who said, uh, hey, I don't know if we've ever discussed this before, but when it's like a Humidex of 40 they would out in full suits up in the booth and they're only on camera for 30 seconds twice a game, do we really need that? <laughs> like, that doesn't, that doesn't seem really fair to those guys. For me, I, I love wearing the suit. I think it's fun. You know what? For me, it's like if, if I'm going to be sweaty on game day, so are the players. I treat the game like it's a game day for myself, so I really don't care about it. But in terms of the The hydration strategy, I'll tell you, I learned very quickly how to approach hydration as a football player the same way that I learned very quickly how to approach hydration as a broadcaster. My first game ever when I was at McMaster University, I was the backup quarterback in 2010. I'll never forget. It was like a late August Saturday afternoon, 1 p.m. We kicked off against Wilfrid Laurier University. And I was so nervous because I'd never dressed for a university football game before that I just, I don't know why, but I was just incessantly pounding back water, much in the same way that many people stress eat. So I was just drinking water, 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 water. It was halfway through the first quarter, and my stomach was about to explode, and I had nowhere to go, and I was a rookie, so I wasn't going to run all the way across the field in the middle of the game to go use the washroom, because then I would just look a total idiot. So I just decided, you know what, I'm I'm just going to wait until halftime. That was the longest half hour of my entire life. And then it was, (laughs) I took that lesson into the broadcast booth where I decided, you know what, I'm going to drink as much water as I want until two hours before kickoff and then to up my energy level so I kind of bring a little bit of the noise to the broadcast. I'm a coffee guy right before the game begins for the 15 minutes before kickoff. I drink a coffee no matter what the weather is, if it's hot, cold, otherwise. And for me that, that kind of drives me out a little bit while I'm still hydrated from the crushing of water for several hours before. So there is a science to it. I will say that it's much like Scott Hansen who does NFL red zone. I've heard him talk about the fact that he for nine years has not taken a bathroom break during seven hours of commercial free football. And the reason for that is he's got it down to a science of a high protein, salty, dense breakfast meal, drinks water up until 90 minutes before kick uses the washroom right before they begin as the countdown clock is happening. So yeah, we're, uh, we're weird. We're weird. People that have to plan these things out and actually think about them, you find solutions, no doubt.
1: Marsh, all I'm going to say to that is everything works for a while, and then age takes <laughs> over, and you've got to redo the, uh, the playbook. But uh, <laughs> well, let me know when that happens to you. I'll, I'll be able to advise you on that one, too. Thank, thanks yeah, very thank much. It's very sorry to say we went this whole time, and you never once said, yes, Guy.
4: I uh, know. That's okay. It was great to be on Yes Guy Radio. I appreciate you guys being able to have me, and uh, and it's always great to be able to catch up with the Jim, so thank you.
1: Yeah, thanks for
2: slagging me. Really appreciate
1: it. <laughs> you too, Perry. You too. <laughs> thank you, Myers. This segment is sponsored by Braley Financial Advisors Incorporated. Financial advisor, Herb Bradley, ready to help you with your financial needs. If you want a comfortable and real conversation about your options, contact Herb at 1-877-734-734 three zero five five or visit us website braleyadvisors.com with 31 years of experience herb will help you do what you want to do with your money get it back to you when you need it the most financial clarity and comfort with braley financial advisors incorporated well let's talk about advanced planning your life your say your tribute and all your way turner and porter funeral directors let's start a conversation visit turnerporter.ca. this is yes guy the radio show on tsn 1050 Welcome back. Yes, Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050. Jim Taddy and Perry Lefko with you. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, or if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG SafeBridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Stay safe, stay heard with the Fox 40 electronic whistle, producing 100 decibels at the push of a button. The electronic whistle is perfect to bring along for any outdoor activity. Don't forget to use the code YESGUY at checkout for 15% off your order. Go to fox40shop.com. Well, let's talk about the Queen's Plate. It goes Sunday, August 21st at Woodbine, of course, televised on TSN. Kevin Attard is a trainer at Woodbine, has this horse called Moira of filly, and won the Woodbine Oaks for three-year-old fillies by ten and three-quarter lengths. Kevin, welcome in. This horse, I mean, this, this, this ten and three-quarters, that, that's ridiculous.
0: Thanks for having me. Yeah, she, uh, she was pretty impressive that day, that's for sure. You know, something that uh, you don't think uh, she's going to win by that kind of a margin, uh, but uh, she definitely uh,
2: ran a huge race. So she goes into the race as the favorite. You had a filly that kind of did the same thing last year. Did that, did that experience help you for, for uh, going into this year's Queen's Plate?
0: Obviously, I think the more experience you have in anything, you kind of, you know I mean, you, you you make little changes or uh, you kind of learn from from previous experience. So, so uh, the thing is, each horse is uh, is an individual, and and you have to kind of treat them differently. You know, what I mean, that not kind of what makes one tick might not necessarily make the other one tick, right? So uh, this filly's a little bit differently, uh, kind of uh, composure wise, and and the way she trains uh, than uh, Money for Roll was last year. Uh, but they're obviously uh, two nice fillies and a uh, nice situation to be in. The Queen's Plate is such a big production. You know, it's racing really
2: going on longer than any other type of race of this quality. As a trainer, do you get as
0: excited about running in a race like this, say, more than any other race? Absolutely. This is a historic event. Um, you know what I mean? Growing up, uh, you know, just as a child uh, in a racing family, uh, and getting to experience, uh, you know, so many clean plates uh, throughout the years. Uh, this is a race that I covet and, uh, it's eluded some great trainers in the past, you know, uh, so, uh, it's not an easy race to win. Uh, I've been down this road before where I thought I've had the right horse and, uh, unfortunately it hasn't happened yet. So, uh, we're hoping, uh, hoping maybe next week we've got, uh, we've got the right one this time.
1: Well, tell us about the horse's personality and, and, you know, you're talking about getting a read on a horse. Uh, Moira, what, what what is she like and, and what do you have to do to, to sort of read other horses?
0: Well, at, at the end of the day, I try to work about my I'm obviously comparing her the best I can for the race. Um, you know, she's a little bit quirky in the afternoon on race day. Uh, in the morning, she's pretty straightforward and, and kind of, you know, I mean, easy to work with, uh, does whatever you want her to do. Um, so, and that's it's a pretty easy job, um, but on race day she does kind of get a little amped up, has some pre-race antics, and, and that kind of keeps you on your toes, makes you a little bit nervous, uh, no doubt. Uh, as opposed for the other horses, I mean it just it it, it comes down to trip and obviously racing luck. Uh, you know, what I mean she's a, a tactable horse. She has, uh, you know, what I mean you can kind of put her anywhere you'd like. Uh, she has a good turn of foot when the jockey calls on her. So, I mean, in, in a perfect world, obviously, you want to see a race that has some speed and, and uh, she kind of sits in a good trip and, and uh, you know, with a clear run. And when Jock calls for her, uh, she gives her her best.
2: Okay, I mean, I'll, I'll jump in here and just ask you a question. It's brutally hot out there. How do you as a trainer and just horse people in general, you know, um, survive these types of uh, temperatures?
0: Yeah, obviously, hey, the temperature is always a factor, You you know. Uh, you hope that they handle the weather well. Uh, we try to train them early enough in the morning where, uh, you know, it's not as hot, but generally, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes obviously it does get hot pretty early. Uh, so, and, and you want them exercising a little bit in, uh, in, in a situation where they're going to kind of encounter in the afternoon anyways, right? So they're accustomed to it. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's part of it. Obviously, when they're in their stalls, you want to make sure that they're kind of obviously very well hydrated, have plenty of water, uh, electrolytes, uh, kind of leading up to the race in, in that sense, and um, you know keep a fan on them when it's when it's hot and just try to keep them keep their kind of body temperature cool.
1: You know, it, it's not the Derby in terms of, of size of a field, but the Queen's Plate usually has a pretty good field. Uh, you know, obviously that hasn't been announced yet, but, but in terms of numbers, what are you expecting? And, and are there nuances at Woodbine that you have to be aware of?
0: Uh, yeah, from what it sounds like, it's going to be a fairly large field. You know, I've heard numbers ranging from 10 to 11 right now. Um, so, you know, I mean, that's enough where, you know, I mean, traffic obviously in, in the race is always going to be a bit of an issue. Um, so, you know, those are things that, uh, obviously you want to draw a good post, uh, when the time comes that, uh, you, you know, you're not, you know, I mean, ideally you wouldn't want to be stuck on the inside or obviously on the extreme outside. Uh, you don't want to be losing ground in those kind of races. So, uh, you got, to you know, you try to hire the, the, the most capable jockey. That way they can kind of, uh, ride a great race and, and kind of put your horse in a good position to win.
2: Okay, Kevin, I'll try another question here. And this is basically about the Atard clan. There's so many of you. Can horse racing fans expect another wave of Atards in the future?
0: Uh, so probably, uh, right now, I'm going to have to say yes. I've got a, a, an 18-year-old son who's an avid, uh, avid fan of the game. Uh, he's, he's working with me right now, and uh, he's learning, learning the trade. Uh, he's very astute, and uh, I can see a, a racing future for him in the cards, that's for sure.
1: Kevin, really appreciate your time. Thanks very much, and all the best with Moira at the Queen's Plate. Thank you. appreciate it. Homeowners are first-time buyers. If you're considering purchasing, refinancing, if your mortgage is coming up for renewal, talk to Dean Romani, TMG Safe Ridge Mortgage Solutions. Dean will provide you with custom-tailored mortgage solutions for all your needs. You can contact Dean on Twitter at MTGDean or give him a call at 416-885-1761. Let's talk about advanced planning, your life, your say, your tribute, and your way. Turner and Porter Funeral Directors. Let's start a conversation. Visit Turnerporter.ca. This is Yes Guy, the radio show on TSN 1050.
2: Yes Guy,
1: No Guy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, drivers and passengers. Time now for the fully sanctioned edition of Yes Guy, No Guy and Yes Guy, the radio show. You can't be any more official than that. Go ahead, sir.
2: We're all going to miss Serena Williams as a regular participant in uh, women's tennis.
1: Absolutely, an emphatic yes guy. I mean, you know, when you watch her, you realize, you know, she's had, she has won in Canada and obviously that U.S. Open where uh, Bianca defeated her, but she's got, you know, all those great moments for, for Canadian tennis, but also her own. I mean, it's just a marvelous uh, story of... of of success uh, probably unparalleled and probably won't see it again but it's just it's a marvelous story and you know it's one of those moments where you go i'm glad I, i'm i glad i was around for that. that that's how i feel about it so an emphatic yes guy i'm sure you would agree definitely she's a generational player for sure yes guy no guy you already know who will win the queen's plate no
2: i do not know no guy nobody knows that anything could happen as much as i would like kevin to win it it's uh Too many things, too many variables. That's a definite no guy.
1: Okay, go ahead, sir.
2: There's going to be far more players that are going to be joining live golf after the PGA season ends in about three weeks.
1: Uh, I'm going to say yes, Guy. Uh, You know, you don't like to see that happen if you're a PGA Tour fan, but uh, it looks like it's inevitable. And then, of course, we go through the courts with the antitrust uh, lawsuit, which is going to be pretty darn interesting, so I, I think the bottom line is the world in that, that that section of the world has changed um, and has altered, and I don't know that it'll ever go back to the way it was, so uh, you know that's that's an emphatic, yes guy. I hate to say it, but but it's true. How about yourself?
2: Yeah, I think the money factor is just becoming too overwhelming for these golfers and uh, money talks, definitely.
1: Yeah. Okay, yes guy, no guy. Marshall Ferguson has his house wallpapered in CFL charts.
2: Yes, guy. And uh, here's one for you. Marshall owes me an apology.
1: <laughs> well, technically, yes, but <laughs> what it was you? done in fun. Come on, <laughs> that's man. you to support
2: me. The guy slagged me. It was bad, bad, real bad. That,
1: that's a sorry guy, right? I think <laughs> we have time for one more. What? Go ahead, sir.
2: For, for the third week in a row, it's far too quiet in Leafland.
1: I'm going to say yes, Guy. An eerie quiet, but uh, we'll see what happens. And uh, no, no sooner will you say it's quiet than, than sort of the roof caves in. I want to thank everybody for stopping by and joining us for episode 88 of Yes, Guy. Hope you come back next week for episode 89. We're getting real close to 90. And 100, want to thank our guests today, Donovan Bailey, Marshall Ferguson, and Kevin Attard from Woodbine. Hope you enjoyed the proceedings. And if you want to sponsor Yes Guy, No Guy, give Perry or me a contact call, and we'll set that up for you. Let's go out on this. Yes, Guy!